Welcome to today's message from Transformation Church with Pastor Jim Balzano. Good morning, church. How are you? I didn't hear a thing from this side. Didn't hear a thing. And, and Joni Miles, you're on this side. I can't believe that. Look, somebody brought me a present. <laughs> you got one too. I'm not afraid of her. My life has been controlled by women my whole life. I'm not afraid of them. <laughs> yes, I haven't gotten any smarter. Well, good morning. Hey, let me take this to this. There's an insert in your bulletin. I'm not going to read the one side that talks about all the procedures we already have in place and different things. Um, but I do want to just kind of reference again what is, we're doing uh, for the month of December you know, it, you know it's a crazy time. You know what's going on out there. I don't need to describe that. And yet at the same token, we need to do some things here. So here's what we're doing. We were off Wednesday nights for the kids and different things because of Thanksgiving, and then we took an extra week. But in looking at everything that's going on with COVID and the number of cases and the fact that we were only going to have two Wednesdays coming up, the 9th and the 16th, I just said, you know what, gang, we got van drivers out, we got some teachers out, we got some different, we're going to just shut it down for the month of December, let things cool down a little bit, and we'll come back in January, we'll assess it again and see what happens, all right? Um, we're going to continue to do our Sunday gatherings, all right? Both services are going to be live streamed, hello everybody, all right? Uh, if you can make it here, great, if you can't, you can watch online. Um, and there's uh, several different ways to do that, Facebook, YouTube, or on the website. Uh, I understand we have at times been having a problem with the Facebook feed, which isn't on our end, by the way. But you can go to YouTube Live um, or, or the website. Um, obviously, we have no parties planned. We have not made a decision on Christmas Eve. Um, my desire, our desire is to have it, but we're going to make, <laughs> I mean, no, we're in an era right now where you can make decisions you know, like you make about two weeks' worth of decisions or a week's worth of decisions, then you monitor it, assess it, and maybe change again. That's where we are, all right? You know, it really messes with us who are such great planners. <laughs> you know, us, us, those of us who need a, a, a one-year plan, this just really messes with me. <laughs> those, <laughs> those, you know, that's just not true. And, and obviously, uh, you know, we just mentioned the giving. I, I say this, I have said this, man, since this thing happened in March, there were a lot of places worried about what was going to happen with their finances, whether it be a business, a church, or whatever. You guys have been awesome. Plain and simple, the church, you guys have been awesome. You have given consistently, and we just ask you to continue to do it, and there are a variety of ways to do that. Amen? Crazy era, right? Love it, in a sense. You know, one of my favorite stories is uh, found in, or not found in, but one of my favorite stories is Apollo 13, one of my favorite movies. How many of you ever see Apollo 13, the movie? Right? That's a great movie, isn't it? Yes, Pastor. I'm glad, I'm glad you enjoyed it. But in that movie, um, there is a flight director. The flight director's name is Gene Kranz, okay? And uh, he's played by Ed Harris. And in this movie, he's overhearing two NASA directors discussing the low survival chances of Apollo 13. And one guy says, I know what the problems are, Henry. He said, but this could be our worst disaster NASA has ever experienced. And Gene Krantz, who overheard it, intervenes and says, with all due respect, sir, I believe this is going to be our finest hour. Uh, you know, I, I just, I, I, it's a wonderful movie about leadership and some leadership principles that are within that. 
But I want to say to you this morning that there, we, you have faced a lot of obstacles this year. You have faced a lot of trials. You have faced a lot of different things being thrown at you. And I want to say to you this morning that many people are still, you know, pessimistic, if you will. I just want to tell you, you're going to look back someday and say, that was one of our finest hours. That was one of our finest hours. You know, how, how many believe that? Hmm? I'm, I'm just telling you. Be, because, listen to me. God is still God. Now, again, I understand everything's different. I understand everything is different, and there's all kinds of things being thrown and all the stuff that's happening. And, um, you know, we have, you know, people facing the business crises of all this that's been happening. We've got the family uh, structure. We've got the schools. My goodness, pray for the schools. Uh, I mean, I was talking to Jason the other day. You've got 36 teachers out. How do you run classes with 36 teachers out? It's not just about teachers not wanting to be there. They're out. You know, and you got all, it's just, it's just a mess, all right? And they're being challenged on every front. Families are being challenged. They got to go to work. They got to school, educate their kids. They got to make sure their kids are online. There is a lot of stress out there. There is a lot of turmoil and trial out there. And I was thinking about it all week. We are doing some things. We're going to try to create a hub here for helping with some of the kids. And uh, because we got to do something. But I was thinking about it. And, um. Psalm 77 is a psalm I found myself in this week reading it. And I want to preach to you from it this morning. And I think it's really important. I think it's a real applicable message for today. And um, I, I just simply call it this. I will remember. I will remember. Re read the scripture with me. Psalm 77 begins with, I cried out to God with my voice. To God with my voice. And he gave ear to me. In the day of my trouble, I sought the Lord. My hand was stretched out in the night without ceasing. My soul refused to be comforted. I remembered God and was troubled. Hmm, isn't that interesting? I complained and my spirit was overwhelmed. You hold my eyelids open. I'm so troubled that I cannot speak. I have considered the days of old, the years of ancient times. I call to remembrance my song in the night. I meditate within my heart, and my spirit makes diligent search. I'm going to stop right there for a moment. So here's the psalmist. This is Asaph. Asaph was one of the worship leaders, okay, uh, of David's time. He was a, a songwriter. He was a skilled musician. He was a skilled singer, kind of like me. Troy's running camera today. Look at that. We are down to a skeleton crew, gang. Like, Pastor Troy has been texting me all week. He said, listen, I'm down this singer, I'm down that singer, I'm down this person, I'm down that person. You know, he's finally doing some work on a Sunday after he's done singing. Oh. You look at this psalm, and what you see is you see the psalmist. You see Asaph and, and the things that he is going through. And there's a, there's a crisis in the land. There's trouble in the land. There's trial. There's tribulation. There's, there's uncertainty. There's all this stuff that's happening. Has anybody experienced any of that this year? Has anybody experienced that this week or last week, right? And, and so in this time of crisis, and I'm going to use that phrase this morning, crisis. Uh, you could use trouble. You could use a number of things. I just chose to use the word crisis. And what happens in a crisis for a believer, right, we know that we don't want to live in a relationship with God that we only call on him in trouble. Amen? Because how many know he wants to have communion with us and fellowship with us even in the good times, right? But 
In the moment of crisis for a believer, there is a place where our cry should be directed. The cry in crisis should be directed to God. Come on, listen to me. I mean, you know, we have a tendency to be able to lift up our cry to everywhere else, right? I mean, how many of you have lifted up a cry to your spouse? Nothing wrong with that. Well, it depends on how you did it. Okay? How, how many of you have listed, lifted up a cry to your neighbor, to, your, to, your, to Facebook, to social media, that there's been a cry going out, right? The psalmist says that in this moment and in this crisis, I'm crying out and my cry is directed to God. Let, us re let me remind you who our Father is. Let me remind you who our King is. Let me remind you that we belong to the King and the kingdom, and the cry of the people of the kingdom go to the King, that we would direct our attention to Him, direct our focus to Him. And yes, we're doing it in a time of crisis. Why would we not? Why would we not? All right? And so that's where our cry is directed. But see, there's something that causes that cry to go forth. And that what causes that is that this cry in crisis comes from confidence that my God will hear and my God will act. Why would I call upon a God who I don't have confidence in that he'll hear me, give me audience, hear my voice, turn his ear to me, and not act on my behalf? I wouldn't do that, would I? How many of you, if you had a problem tomorrow that you could not solve, you would call Governor Wolf to solve it. No, 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 I wasn't. Let me, let me change that. Whoa, whoa, whoa. I was. Oh, okay, let me just change the message right now. Okay. <laughs> let, me, let me change that, okay? You <laughs> call Paul Holland. That is one smart man. How many of you would call... President Trump tomorrow. Okay, I've got one over there. Okay. How many of you think he would answer? Yeah. How many of you think he would answer? No, you're not going to call him. You're not even going to try to get a hold of him. Why? Because you don't believe, number one, that he'll give you audience, and number two, you don't really believe he's going to act on your behalf anyhow. But believer, you and I have a God that we believe says, when you call, I will answer. And so the confidence that comes, I'm calling on you, God, because I am in a crisis. I'm not coming to you only in crisis, but I have a crisis. I am in a day of trouble, and I need your help, and I believe that you will send help from the sanctuary, as the Scripture says. And listen to me. But listen to me. I'm going to tell you something. But some of you would rather call your neighbor than call out to God because you have more faith in your neighbor than you do your God. All right? We've got to have a confidence that our God hears us, and that propels us to calling upon our God, right? And how do I do that? Well, Asaph said this in the psalm. He said, in the day of my trouble, I sought the Lord. My hand was stretched out in the night without ceasing, right? And so crisis demands a persistent search for God while in the crisis, okay? That man, you are constantly, because listen to me. When you're in the crisis, there are things you don't know. There are things that are uncertain. There are things that you're looking for. There's the answers. How, how long do you search and how long do you see till you find the answer? Till you find, do, do, you know why, do you know why Daniel fasted 21 days? Do you know why Daniel fasted 21 days? Because that's how long it took for the answer to get to him. We make a magical number out of 21, okay? If the answer would have came in 17 days, we'd all be doing 17-day fast. 
I'm so bad. Okay. Oh, we're going to do a 21-day fast. Why? Because that's what Daniel did. Daniel did that because that's when the angel showed up. Who wants to eat eat nothing but veggies anyhow? (laughs) Lindsay. Right? You, You see, Daniel fasted and he prayed and he fasted and he prayed in the moment of crisis until the answer came. Ladies and gentlemen, we are persistently in search for God, seeking him while in crisis. But yet, watch what happens. It's an amazing portion of Scripture. So Asaph's saying that in the day of trouble, I called out to my God. I sought my God. I know he hears my voice, right? But look what happens. In spite of crying out and seeking God, it still left him troubled. That crisis still, in that moment, he was still troubled. Look what he says. He says, I remembered God, and I was troubled. What was that, Ferguson, huh? What are you doing sitting down now? Oh, so much for running the camera now. He's loafing again in the back. Okay, here he is. He's crying out to God. He says, I'm seeking. My hand is stretching in the night. And yet he's still troubled. Have you ever found yourself in a crisis, in a trouble, where you're crying out to God, you have faith in your God, and yet there's still, you're still at a troubled moment. You're still in trouble. There's a troubledness about your life, right? In spite of crying out and seeking God, crisis still left him in discomfort. He said, my spirit refused to be comforted. There are a lot of people right now going through this era at a level of discomfort. At dis-ease, all right? There's there's worry, there's fear, there's anxiety. All right, we're going to talk about that in a moment. But this is what he said. I call, I'm, I'm, have you ever prayed and and when you prayed, it wasn't that the trouble automatically left your spirit, the discomfort automatically left? What do you do? You keep praying. What do you do? You keep praying. You pray some more, you pray some more. This is what Asaph is saying was happening to him. In spite of crying out and seeking God, Crisis can cause us to speak complaint. Uh-oh. Now, I know nobody in here has ever spoken a complaint. And by the way, let me just say this. We live, how many of you like to watch football? Okay. How many of you like to play Monday morning coach? Well, actually, this week it could be Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, who knows what. Right? And how many of you know that you sure know a whole lot more than they do? Like, why did they run that plan? Why didn't they do this? And why didn't they do that? Can I just tell you that as we go through this era, that we as believers need to be lifting up people in leadership and stop second-guessing them every step of the way? I'm just telling you, man, they're they're wore down. I'm just telling you. I'm not saying that all their decisions are right. I'm saying that I believe the majority of people are trying to do the best they can during this era. I believe with all my heart they're trying to do the best they can. And we cannot keep complaining. We cannot keep, we need to be lifting them up. We need to be praying for them because I'm telling you they're wore down. Even as a church, even as a pastor, we make a lot of decisions. Some people don't like them. I can't help that. We're going to do the best we think we can. God bless you. Pray for us. If you don't like the decision that we make, blame Troy. (laughs) Okay. All right, it's just, I'm just telling you, our hearts are in the right place and we make the best decisions that we can. I'm telling you, yeah, gotta, yeah we just got to step up and stop complaining. All right, uh, um, and so, so, but what happens is ter- turmoil, trial, tribulation, crisis has a way of causing us to speak complaint. But I want to tell you what the psalmist said. Asaph said that I complained 
and my spirit was overwhelmed. The spirit of complaint will overwhelm your spirit. It will enclose it. That's what the Bible, it means to enclose it. It means to um, cause it to fade. It means to cause it to fail. It will overcome your spirit. If you live in a spirit of complaint, you will become enveloped and overwhelmed by complaint. But let me tell you what. You say, well, okay, that's just the way I am. Well, let me tell you what. The spirit of complaint will overwhelm the spirits of those around you. The spirit of complaint will overwhelm the spirits of those around you. Listen to me. You all know there are those people in your life that you know when you see them coming, you know nothing but negativity and complaining and pessimism is coming out of their mouth. And aren't they a joy to be around? Boy, you can't wait for them to get to the Christmas party. I remember one time we put on this really, really nice Christmas party when I was president of the church of the section, and we had all the churches come together. We had a really nice restaurant. It was such a nice event. And one of the pastors came in, who picked this place? I mean, it was nice. We had gifts. We had, it was just beautiful. Who picked this place? I did. I had to walk too far to get in. I'm going to tell you, my tongue became a bloody stump when I looked at him and said, well, you need to walk a little more. (laughs) Don't say it, Jim. (laughs) All right, listen to me. But the problem is, in a spiritual realm, when you are living constantly out of a spirit of a complaint, you are contaminating those around you. I'm going to tell you something. There's a reason your kids are pessimistic. There's a reason your kids are negative. There's a reason that they're living in a spirit of complaint. They're learning it. They're learning it. All right, let me tell you something. If you're running a business, you're running a church, you're running something, your leadership, and your leadership is nothing but negative, guess what the rounds is going to be? Negativity, complaint. Ed Krantz in that movie, that flight director, he's a real guy. What happened? He could have said, yeah, this is going to be terrible. No, this is going to be our finest hour. All right, listen to me. The spirit of complaint that speaks from a troubled time, and it's not to say that you're not right in what you're saying, but when you constantly live with the spirit of complaint, it will corrupt those and overwhelm those around you, right? Because crisis, you look at it. He talks in this psalm about, he says, you hold my eyelids open. I'm so troubled, I cannot speak, verse four. You see, crisis has a way of robbing you of sleep. Anybody had any sleepless nights? Oh, great. Well, why are some of you sleeping during my sermon? Right? Like the fact of the matter is, I've talked to people, I counsel with people, I'm talking to people who what? They're, they're saying, man, I can't even sleep right now. My mind won't stop. My mind won't shut down. My mind spins. Now listen to me, you're talking to a guy that doesn't need much sleep, so I don't give you a lot of sympathy. All right? But, but the fact of the matter is, it can rob you of sleep. Right? And then, Psalmist says, I don't even know what to speak. The crisis leaves us in a state of not knowing. I don't even know what, how many of you have gotten to a point where you say, I don't even know what to say anymore. Like, I don't even know what to say. I don't even know what to do. I don't know what to say. Like, it's just a crazy, crazy, crazy time. Okay? And watch what the psalmist says in. Then the psalmist says that I've considered the days of old, the years of ancient times. I call to remembrance my song in the night. I meditate within my heart. Right? But the problem was, He was doing this, and the crisis brought him to a state of remembrance, but it was not the remembrance to inspire faith. How many of you know that you can remember the past, but you're not remembering the past to inspire the present? You're remembering the past like this, that you're saying the crisis leaves us in a state of remembering the good old days. 
How many of you ever find yourself in trial, trouble, day of trouble, crisis, whatever it might be, and you're remembering the past, but that's not fueling your faith in the present, but rather it is commiserating your present while honoring the past. I remember the good old days, right? I hear, it, I hear that a lot sometimes. Can, can I remind the church, even, even through church history, as styles and ways of doing things have changed dramatically, there were no good old days. The best days were the days that God are in. Amen? Now, we all have stylistic preferences, right? We all have certain ways we'd like to do things. We all have certain ways we'd like to go back and do things in our life. But the fact of the matter is, if, we're, if all we're doing is remembering the good old days as a way of, of, of highlighting our misery now, how many know that's not a healthy thing to do. Because here's what happens. Watch where Asaph, this is the worship leader, finds himself at a crisis of faith. Have you ever had a crisis of faith? I read the scriptures, and I don't find very few, if any, men or women of God who didn't have a crisis of faith at some point in their life. Abraham had him. Isaac had him. Jacob had him. Moses had a crisis of faith. We go into the New Testament, we'll see they had crisis of faith. All right, watch what happens. Watch, watch what Asaph does. He begins to ask questions. He's got eight questions. Will the Lord cast off forever? And will he be favorable no more? Has, the, has his mercy ceased forever? Has his promise failed forevermore? Has God forgotten to be gracious? Has he in anger shut up his tender mercies? Eight questions he asked. And all of those questions are questioning what? What do we question when we find ourselves in the day of trouble? When we find ourselves in the day of adversity? When we find ourselves in the time, what, what do we question? We question most often God's character. Don't you care, God? Don't you see what's happening? Have you forgotten about me? Are you going to cast me off forever? Where's your favor? Where's your mercy? Where's your grace? Are you angry with me, God? How many have ever asked him that when you're going through trial? When you've gone through a hard time and saying, God, are you angry with me? All of these questions Asaph is asking at this point are about the character of God, which drives me nuts when we go through adversity. Because the fact of the matter is, the enemy is the one who will dial up adversity in your life and do something in your life to get you to question God, to question God's character. Is he good? He's not good. If God was good, this. If God was good, that. And you know how many unbelievers I have talked to to ask that? But the reason we do that is because we have taught for years that everything that ever happens is God's plan. Such dumb teaching. I think they went to that school, Randy, where they become dumb Christians. <laughs> Like, it just drives me nuts. <laughs> All right, but, but I'll get to that. That's another day. You see, we find ourselves in these moments, and if we're honest, we're questioning his character. We wouldn't dare question his power because God can do anything. Yes, God does the impossible. Yes. But the question comes down to, will he? The question is about his character. And the answer to all Asaph's questions are, no. No, he hasn't cast you off. And no, he has not 
stopped his favor. And no, his mercy has not stopped. And no, he has not forgotten to be gracious. And no, he is not angry with you. Right? And these are the questions. He's had a crisis of faith. What do you do when you find yourself in adversity and crisis and that has led you to a crisis of faith? You do what the psalmist did. He said, I am in anguish, but I will remember. But I will remember. You see, he says, I'll read the scripture. He says, but I will remember the years of the right hand of the Most High. He's talking about the power of God. He's talking about the, the, the strength of God. He said, I will remember the right hand of the Most High. You see, the psalmist shifts here. Asaph shifts. Earlier, he said, I remember the days gone by. I remember the good old days. I remember when I used to sing at night. I remember when everything was good. And then he went into all these crisis of faith questions. But now something shifted in his spirit. In the midst of this adversity, in the midst of this trial, in the midst of everything going on, he says, you know what? You know what? But I will remember. I will cause myself to remember. And I will remember the power of God's right hand. I will remember him. You see, because you got to remember something, folks. God's power in the past is still God's power in the present. He is no less powerful today than he was yesterday or he was 10 years ago. God is not diminished by COVID. God is not diminished by an election that seems to have junk all over it. God is not limited by anything that's going on. God is not less powerful today than he was 30 years ago. He's just not. And somewhere, I'm going to say to you this morning, I'm going to challenge you to begin to remember. Do you have a historical narrative that you can go back upon and say, but I will remember what my God has done. Ebenezer, thus far has he helped me. The problem is some of us don't have a historical narrative of the power of God in our life. He said, I'm going to remember God's right hand. He said, I will remember the works of the Lord. Surely I will remember your wonders of old. Hmm. You see, the working, God working in your past is the same God working in your present. God's still working. When says, how's the song go? Even when you can't see it? Something like that. Hmm? Do you know the people of Israel were in Egypt for hundreds of years? They're crying out to God. Nothing has changed in their status for hundreds of years. But all of a sudden, one day, God is working on the backside of the desert, talking to a man named Moses. and said, Moses, now's the time. And now we're going to send you, and I'm going to send you back to Egypt to answer the prize of those people because I am concerned about them. They don't know I'm working, and they don't know I'm sending you, but I am working. And I'm going to say to you this morning, church, you are in a crisis. You are, might be in a thing. You're facing stuff, but I'm going to tell you right now that God is working on the backside of the desert to supply an answer for you in this moment. We, that's who my God is. That's what you do as a parent. When your kids go through crisis, they go through trial, what do you do? You work, even when they don't know you're working. Small illustration, Dominic was in the hospital 17 days after that horrible accident they had when Tony Eilenberger got killed and that older man hit them. And Dominic would go to sleep in that, that, that room and he'd go to sleep and he'd wake up in pain. He'd go to sleep and he'd wake up in pain he couldn't get back to sleep. And you know, that's when they had the pain pump thing, you know, you hit the morphine button. 
Well, let me tell you, Daddy watched that for about one day. And when Dominic went to sleep, when it was time, guess who pushed the button? That's right. That's right. Tell me I broke the rules. Don't care. It's my kid. <laughs> I pushed the button because the boy ain't waking up in pain. The boy ain't waking up in discomfort. Daddy's going to take care of this problem. It was hot in there. You know what Daddy did? Dad, it was so hot in there, Daddy went out and bought a snow cone machine and put it in the hospital room. That's right. We had snow cones in the hospital. And what I thought, you know what I figured out? You know what happened? This is boy, she's like, you know, all my secrets now. Then I realized that the actual thermostat for the room is actually was up in the light channel, Randy. It was up in the light channel. And you know what? I stood in that bed and I adjusted the heat. <laughs> you see, because I, I got one person I care about in that place, and that's that kid, and he's mine, and he's my son, and I'm working behind the scenes, even when he doesn't know it, so that he will wake up pain-free. God is working on your behalf. You don't see it right now, and you may not see it, but he's working. The same God that has worked in your past is the same God who's working in the present. Don't fall to this trap that he's not working. Asaph goes on and says, I'm going to meditate on your work, and I'm going to tell of your deeds. Come on, church, open up your mouth and tell about your God. If you ain't got one in the present, then you tell about the God of the past. You tell about the one who did this for you. You tell about the one who did that for you. Okay, because crisis can leave you in a place where you don't know what to say anymore. When you don't know what to say, and when crisis leaves you speechless, come on. How many know he said, I will speak of his deeds? I don't know what to say about the crisis, but let me talk about my God. I don't know what to say about this trial anymore. I don't know what to say that hasn't already been said, but I know one thing. i got a God I'm going to brag about. I've got a God I'm going to tell you what he did for me. I'm going to tell you about the God who saw me through the past. Church, let that flow out of your mouth. Because listen to me. It is a testimony to others, and it is a testimony to yourself. And how many know we sometimes need to testify to ourselves? From from an organizational standpoint, for the Nehemiah Project, (laughs) it's been the craziest year we've had. We we bought that building over there, right? We bought it in 2018, and it was a struggle, and it was a struggle, and this year has been wildly blessed. (laughs) <laughs> we put $121,000 worth, we're scheduled to put $121,000 worth of HVAC in. We owe 11000 on it. You know, I'm, I'm just telling you. It's like, it, it makes no sense. But my God, but my God. A year and a half ago, a man told me, sell the building. You got two months left. It'll never work. The numbers don't work. This person isn't going to help you. That person isn't going to help you. You need to run. You need to run now. Well, let me tell you something. They don't know who my God is. They don't know who my God is. When it leaves you not knowing what to say, don't talk about it. Talk about him. Your way, O oh God, is in the sanctuary. Who is so great a God as our God? You are the God who does wonders. You have declared your strength among the peoples. You have with, I can't see that sometimes without light, Troy. <laughs> you have with your arm redeemed your people, the sons of Jacob and Joseph. Think about this, Asaph goes back in the history of Israel in the psalm. Israel was a people with a troubled present, but they had an overcoming history. When you have an overcoming history, your faith is different in the present. You you see, you might be having trials right now. You might be having trouble right now. You might be facing every bit of adversity and uncertainty there is. But listen to me this morning. You might be in a present day of trouble, but you have a history of overcoming. 
You are an overcomer because of who lives inside of you and who is your advocate and who goes to bat for you. Israel had days of crisis, but the days of crisis became days of confidence. Do you know what's happening right now? Right now, I'm going to show you in a moment. Right now, God is writing your future encouragement. Are you in crisis today? Yeah, at some level. Some, some are more than others. Is discouragement, depression, anxiety, frustration, fear, sleepless nights, and complaint dominating your present? Some it is. My question to you then is, but what do you remember? What do you remember? What does your history tell you about your present? That man tried to discourage me and tried to get me to do something out of fear. And I had to discourage for about 16 hours. It's pretty long for me. And then all of a sudden, and that was a week I preached to you about a year and a half ago, remember your Ebenezer, where I had to go through and say, no, no, let me remember my Ebenezer moments. Let me remember who my God is. Let me remember what he's done in my life and through our church. And let me remember when he's done this and he's done that. No, 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 no. My God has helped me this far. He'll help me that far. You see, I got to tell you this morning, you got to have a history that will inspire faith in the present. What does your history tell you about your present? What does your history with God tell you about your present with God? Right? But Israel can look back and say, wait, wait, time out. You don't understand. You see, I'm seeing the Jordan River, but mom and dad crossed the Red Sea. Today is tomorrow's historical narrative of faith-filled victory. You see, you're going to get to a point, and we're going to get to a point someday where we're going to look back at this. And we're going to have a historical narrative of how God gave us victory in that hour. You're going to look back someday. Right now, you'll navigate through it. You pray, you seek God, you'll never through it. You do what you think is right. God's going to take you through it. And someday you're going to get past it. And you're going to look back and you're going to say, let me tell you the story of our faith-filled victory. Because the current crisis becomes the confidence for your future crisis. She said, in this world you have trouble, but take heart, I have overcome the world. The fact of the matter is, we face trouble in this life sometimes. The fact of the matter is, we face trial in this life sometimes. The fact is that my current crisis will someday be the confidence for a future crisis. Pandemic, COVID, uncertainty. I buried a kid, and my God took me through it. My God gives me joy every day. That becomes my strength. Who am I going to fear? Whom shall I fear? You got narrative. Tim, you got narrative. You got history. My mother has historical narrative. I could tell you, and if you ain't got one of your own, go, go steal somebody else's. If you ain't got one, go get one. I'll steal hers if I have to. I'll steal Karen's if I have to. Somebody got one. See, God is writing tomorrow's history in this present hour. You see, I, 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 the psalmist said, all these things, I can't sleep at night. 
I cry out. I remember the good old days. God, have you forgotten me? God, where's your mercy? Where's your favor? God, and all these questions in a crisis of faith. And then all of a sudden, something rises up in his spirit. And he says, but, I want you to see the emphasis on this. But, everybody say, but. How many of you ever, how many of you have ever heard somebody say, but? How many of you have ever heard somebody, you've talked well about somebody, and then that person you're talking to says, yeah, but. <laughs> Samuel said to Jesse, you got any more sons? Yeah, I got more sons, but he's just a kid. Yeah, but. I, I looked at the man and I said, no, no, no yeah, I understand what you're saying. The numbers never made make sense. I didn't do this because the number made sense. I did this because God told me to do it. And trust me, my life would be easier without doing it. And you know what he said? Yeah, but. No, there ain't no yeah, but. The psalmist comes and says, but. Even, all, even besides, even in spite of all of this, but. You see, what follows the but reveals where your head and heart are. And will determine where you go. I'm going to tell you something. I, I skipped most of the health classes in high school. Hated that class. It's like, hated that. I just I hated health class. I skipped it more than you can even imagine. But this much I do know. My head and my heart don't go where my butt doesn't go. And what follows you, the butt reveals where your head and heart is. <laughs> you got it now, didn't you? you can't, listen to me. When you say but, you better follow with something of faith because if you don't follow it with faith, I'm going to tell you where your head and your heart's going. <laughs> You'll not forget that point, will you? Might have been deliberate. Come on, listen to me this morning. You see it all and you know it, but I will remember. But I will remember. Listen to me this morning. This is not a committee. Right now, when it's you and God in the middle of the night, when it's you in the middle of the night with your thoughts, when it's you wrestling with it, it's not a committee right now. It's you saying, but I will remember. Even if they don't remember, and even if they don't believe it, and even if they aren't going with me, I, I will remember. Joshua said what? Choose whom you will serve, but for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. There comes a point where you're going to say, this ain't on anybody else. This ain't on Governor Wolf. This ain't on President Trump. This ain't on Joe Biden. This ain't on the health, uh, Secretary of Health. This isn't on the principal. This isn't on my husband. It's not on my wife. It's not on my kids. It's on me. But I will remember. I take accountability for it. But I will. I'm not, I maybe, I might, possibly, but I will. Because what you will to do is what you will do. What you will to do is what you will do. Come on, Troy. Didn't Troy do a good job last week with that message on peace? What you will do is what, what you will to do is what you will do. How many know today you can will to remember? I mean, you can will to walk in faith. But I will remember. I will remember. 
It's amazing to me. I've been around a lot of people in life, and I call them scorekeepers. It's amazing. You know, the Bible says love keeps no records of wrong. Want to bet? <laughs> I, I, I can tell you people who are scorekeepers, they'll tell you what you did wrong to them 30 years ago. They have kept score for year after year. They got a still trap memory when it comes to offense. You see, but I will remember. What does my history tell me? History tells me God hasn't forgotten us. God, my history tells me my God will not abandon us. He does not abandon us. He will not leave us. He will not forsake us. He is with us. He will walk with us. He will walk through it with us. But let me tell you why it's really important. What I do in this crisis gives my children and children's children a historical narrative for their crisis. Listen to me, Mom, and listen to me, Dad. I know it's hard. You're trying to figure out how to do school and how to go to work. And you're trying to figure out how to navigate all this craziness. And you can go to your room in the night and they don't see you. But when you're in their presence, you tell them they're an overcomer. You tell them they can face anything this world throws at them. You tell them they can beat COVID and they can beat this and they can beat that. And there is nothing they cannot do because in Christ, all things are possible. You tell them that they are more than conquerors in Christ Jesus. You tell them, you tell them, mom, you tell them that. Even if you have to fake it till you make it, you tell them they are an overcomer. Tell my, I tell my daughter this all the time. I tell my grandkids, we don't panic. We don't panic. Life throws us a curveball. We will not panic. We will hit it. We will deal with it. And somehow, some way, we will get through. And we will overcome. You see, because that becomes part of your lineage. It becomes part of their heritage. It becomes, do you understand that the Israelites generation after generation after generation had an overcoming lineage dealt to them that they could look back and see the miracles of God in their life you see one of the greatest lessons I can teach my children and my children's children in this hour is how to overcome in the power of God I really believe that I believe that teaching my children and my grandchildren how to overcome crisis is as important as a lesson as, as, a lesson as 2 plus 2 equals 4 Yes, the education is important. Yes, we got to figure out how to do it. And yes, we got to make sure they're not falling behind in this hour. But I want to say to you, teach them how to overcome. Teach them how to overcome. Teach them how to speak faith. Teach them how to live faith. This is a crisis moment. But in a crisis moment, what you remember about God will dictate your response. It will dictate your response. This will be your finest hour. I, I love how this passage ends. You're saying, I hope it ends too. Asaph ends this with, well, verse 15, he says, you have with your arm redeemed your people, the sons of Jacob and Joseph. 
In verse 16, he goes into this kind of remembering. The waters saw you, God. The waters saw you, and they were afraid. <laughs> the oceans are afraid. The Red Sea was afraid when they saw God. The depths trembled. The clouds poured out water. The skies sent a sound. Your arrows flashed about. The voice of your thunder was in the whirlwind. The lightnings lit up the world. The earth trembled and shook. Your way was in the sea. The way of Israel out of the exodus and out of captivity was in the sea. Your way might just be in your obstacle. And God took them through it. Your path. Your way was in the sea. Your path in the great waters. And your footsteps were not known. And you led your people like a flock by the hand of Moses and Aaron. Asaph went back in history. He went back in history. And he said, let me tell you what happened. You see, my heart is troubled. And I don't sleep at night. And I don't know what to say. And I'm in a crisis of faith where I'm questioning God. But oh, all of a sudden, he said, I remember. But I remember. But I remember the power of my God. Oh, but I remember. But I remember my God. I remember his power and I remember his works and I remember his ways and I meditate on his works and his ways. So let me know what you meditate on is what you will become. Church, do you remember? Do you remember? And if you don't have something to remember, go steal somebody's. God is writing in this hour your future encouragement. He's writing in this hour your future faith that you'll say, this hour? Let me tell you about another hour. Let me tell you about my God. Father, today, help us, God. A lot of people are facing this thing. A lot of people are facing it on different levels. Business owners, are facing the challenges of it. Church leaders are facing the challenges of it. Moms and dads are facing the challenge of it. But we will not despair. But rather we say, I will remember. In spite of all, I will remember my God's right hand. I will remember what he has done in my past. our historical narrative give us faith in this hour and let us remember it and stir up our own faith that we would stir our faith up and as we stir up our faith we're creating a narrative that one day our kids can draw from and our grandchildren can draw from and they can say remember I remember what mom did I remember what grandpa did we're not going to panic in crisis because mom did and dad didn't and Pap didn't. Because Pap's God is my God. Dad's God is my God. I was reminded this week of something that happened. 
the, when this whole thing started in March, and I was driving down 17th Street, 6 o'clock in the morning, praying, God, give me a word for our business owners. And that's when he gave me, and I sent many of you, that thing on the double blessing. Because I came in here, and I didn't get a word, and I didn't get a word until I cracked that egg. And it was a double yoke. God said, there it is. We were yesterday. And I've been thinking about a lot of things. Tony cracked an egg, and it was a double yoke. Just telling you. I still stand on that word. I still stand on it. I'm not one that throws words around flippantly. I'm not one who has a word every day of the week. I'm not one that throws stuff around. I don't like to draw attention to myself. But I say to you, I stand upon that word. And at the end of this, you're going to look back and say, that was a double yoke blessing. So, Father, I pray today. I bless your people. Give us a history. You've given us a history. Cause us to remember.